Hi, my name is Brooke Rodriguez. I'm a Taino mother living in Matinecock territory. Mijuxis. My name is Desiree Kane. I'm a Miwok Two-Spirit. Osio. My name is Mia Beverly. I am from Sand Hill Band of Cherokee and Lenape, and welcome to First Foods. A program made by and for Indigenous people and our allies. Who are ready for a new day for old ways. First Fruits program is produced by Grinding Stone Collective in partnership with Green Feather Foundation and Her Many Voices Foundation, along with important support from community members like you. We have some protocols we'd like to go over with you. Land acknowledgement. We recognize, uphold, and respect Native nations and their life ways above all else as the ruling governance of Turtle Island and Abia Yala. Everyone attending this space must uphold the same. Native knowledge. Lessons learned are not for non-natives to monetize on or repackage as their own. Native knowledge systems belong to the cultural communities they come from and to the guest teachers in our programming. Foraging and harvesting. Always seek permission from tribal communities to forage and harvest. These medicines or foods may be seasonal or being left to replenish themselves. Also respect if the answer is no. Intertribal space. We are all from different nations and regions, so what may be odd or undesirable as food to you might be good to someone else. Respect that and don't insult or belittle. Respect tribal food, land, and medicine sovereignty. Remember that majority of foods are shared by many different tribes, but with different names. Do not try to claim exclusivity or copyright for your own people. It's okay to share the name as you know it. It is not okay to create dissent over a different name. No dissent over blood quantum or otherwise more Indianer than you fighting. Food sovereignty. First people have the rights to hunt, fish, forage, and harvest in their traditional territories. It is unacceptable to critique traditional or contemporary dietary styles as a non-native. Please put any questions that you have in the chat. The last 30 minutes of class, we often invite attendees to come on and interact with our instructors. Disclaimer, First Foods is for educational purposes only. Before using or ingesting any herb or plant for medicinal or culinary purposes, please consult a physician, medical herbalist, or suitable professional. Texas.
Welcome back to another wonderful class and week together here on First Foods. Uh, as you saw in the video, my name is Desiree Kane, and um, we have a wonderful class for you today, a really unique one. It is called Matriarch Mothering Maze Birthing Seats with Sewa Yula, Yuli Portela. She's Yaki and Purapecha, and she's going to be doing a step-by-step -step instructions demo in addition to teaching her course today. So if you have any questions, please put them in the Zoom chat. We do have a format where one-third of class, the last half hour, is Q&A. So if you have those questions, please feel free to bring them up. We love to hear from you. And also encourage your friends to come to class. We've got a whole year ahead of us still of Indigenous-led programming and just exceptional teachers like the one you're going to see today. So I will hand it on over to our lovely co-host, uh, Mia Beverly, for introductions of Sewa. Thanks, Desiree. Um, hey, everyone. Um, thank you for being here. I'm Mia. Um, and just to introduce you to uh, Mothering My Yeast Birthing Seeds, Sewa Yuli, they go by they, them, is a queer full spectrum birth keeper, body worker, community cook, and parent. Rooted in Mexican curandercimo, hope I pronounced that right, uh, traditional Mexican postpartum care and food justice advocacy. Sewa is the founder of Mi Chantico, in addition to the aforementioned services, they provide one-on-one -on -one meal prep services, postpartum nutritional support, catering, cooking classes, and more. Uh, centered around ancestral foods, Sewa utilizes culinary medicine to promote healing, connection to tradition, and health autonomy in all their practices. Cultivating ancestral practices through our sacred seeds and home fires, activating cellular memory and nourishing our community through traditional food ways live um yeah but um yeah that's all for the introduction and um say why you can take it away oh thank you <laughs> thank you thank you so much hi everybody i'm say why you lee um um, my family comes from Michoacán in Sonora, Mexico. I'm currently residing in Kumeyaay Islands, AKA San Diego. This is my sister here, Ariana, and, <laughs> and Atlanesi, and baby Yoda. <laughs> and my partner here, Andrew, and they're gonna be joining me today. Um, you already introduced a lot of the work that I do, so I'll, I'll go ahead and save time, but I'm really, really excited here to be sharing a little bit of of what I do, you know, I don't really have, um, um, I'm kind of going to freestyle it and I want to go straight into the demo right away and then come back and sit here for story and, and share a little bit of the instruments that we have here today. Um, um, I also wanted to share that uh, I just currently enrolled into midwifery school. So I'm like officially, you know, in those ways, <laughs> a student midwife and I'm currently pursuing my path into midwifery, but all the work that I do is centered around food, indigenous foods. And so I want to acknowledge my, grand, my grandma, my mother, and all my ancestors that are here with me today to share this precious knowledge 
Um, and I hope that you know people uh, have questions. I'm more happy to answer anything um, as as we go along and and things that come through to me because I I didn't I don't have a, a actual uh, anything written down as we're gonna speak. We're just I'm like letting spirit kind of guide me and into the things that I want to share. This is corn is such a precious. Um, not just a sustenance, but it's it's a very it's a precious spiritual sustenance that has like helped me a lot in on all the work that I do and has brought a lot of knowledge like the spiritual downloads through that sacred corn and and so if there's anything that comes up and 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 when even if you want to share something a story I really encourage people to share and so it's not just questions and also I want to hear other people's stories there any correlations uh, anything that I share as well. And I invited my 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 sis here um, because she's not only she, she has a baby and, and and postpartum and she has her own stories that are relatable to what we're going to be speaking about today. Um, and I'll let her when that time comes to share her story. But I want to go straight into the action and and go into the atole demonstration. Um, for some of you that don't know what atole is, atole um, translates to liquid corn in Nahuatl. And it is something that in different regions of Mexico, um, we prepare it a little bit different, but it's it's like the same. Or some people call it champurrado, or um, there's other there's other ways of preparing it as well. But before the tamal, before the pozole, some of some of you might um, know these foods. Um, there was atole, and atole was one of the first foods that was dated back as far as we know. Uh, that how we sustained ourselves and and so I'm going to go a little bit over of how um, kind of that some of those teachings that came back you know from from my relatives and how we prepared it and what it meant but I'm going to go straight into the the kitchen my partner is going to help me so bear with me as we navigate through um, this <laughs> taking my my laptop into the kitchen so we're going to go ahead and, and move to the kitchen and I'm going to start go dive right into the demonstration and then we'll come back here and then I'll share a little bit more um, around all the tools that we have and then some more stories. Okay. There we go. And you guys get to see my house too, so. <laughs> right, here we go. Okay. Okay, maybe I could hold it a little bit here too. That'll help. So here I have all the lists or I mean, all the ingredients that we're going to be using today. I think Brooke, if you're interested in the in the recipe, uh, the list of ingredients, um, I sent it to her so she could email it out. Um, the first ingredient, of course, is our cornmeal. Cornmeal. We're using blue cornmeal. Uh, this is southern blue corn, and I have about two cups in here. The recipe um, calls for one cup, but I'm going to make double because I'm actually making some to take to my community this evening. So I'm making like the double amount that is called in that recipe that is going to be sent. So I have two cups of blue cornmeal. I have about two cups of water here. And then I'm going to use two quarts of almond milk. You can use oat milk. You could use dairy, like cow milk, whatever milk that you like. Or you could just use water. Um, I like to use almond milk because it's kind of neutral. And then I sweeten it with piloncillo, which is like a brown, like smoked sugar from Mexico. Um, you could use stevia, you could use honey. Uh, maple syrup is really, really good too. Or you can use agave. Um, I don't usually use ground cinnamon, but if you don't have cinnamon sticks, 
you could use the, the ground cinnamon. So I have three cinnamon sticks here and then I have my molinillo. And so the, if you don't have one of these, you can use a whisk. Um, I like using the molinillo because it's made of wood and it, I feel, you know, it feels better than plastic or metal, but if you don't have this, it's okay, you can use your whisk, um, but you can find these at any local like Latin American supermarkets. Um, we also use it to make our chocolate. Um, today, I'm gonna make it very simple. There's different ways of making atole. Um, you could use fruits, you could use um, cacao. A lot of people use cacao. Um, today, I'm just gonna make the very simple version. And then as we go, then I'll explain the different types of ways um, that you could sweeten it or add like different fruits. Sometimes you can use pineapple, you can use banana or nuts. Um, and so the first step, I have a clay pot. I prefer to use clay pot. Um, it tastes better, it cooks better, and it's our traditional weight. If not, a stainless steel is okay. I try to stay away from Teflon, but um, you know, if you just use whatever you got. If you don't have any of these things, it's okay to, to use whatever's in your kitchen. So we're gonna use a clay pot and I'm gonna go ahead and put this right here on the stove. And then the first step, is to use, I'm gonna put the water in here. And so what I'm gonna make is like a cinnamon tea. I'm gonna add um, three cinnamon sticks in here. Okay, we're gonna put about like about medium heat. So because of timing, usually I like to make it, I like to make the tea and let it kind of brew and get it very concentrated because I love cinnamon and cinnamon is very warming. So this is something that I prepare a lot for my postpartum clients. Um, so I make the tea and I let it get concentrate. Um, today, we're gonna kind of like fast forward and skip that like, because I usually, what I do is like, I make the, the tea, I let it cool and then I add the milk because you don't wanna add your cornmeal when it's really hot because what happens, it gets really clumpy. And so um, I'm gonna go ahead and add the milk now. And if you have questions while I'm doing this, you can, um, I'm more than happy to answer anything if I'm going a little too fast. And then I'm gonna add four piloncillos. These are the small ones. Sometimes you might catch these like a lot bigger. I like them small because it's kind of hard to break sometimes. So I'm gonna go ahead and add the piloncillo in there. There's four. All right. And then I'm gonna go ahead and add my cornmeal. These are two cups of, uh, of toasted cornmeal. We start mixing right away. Yeah, it's so good, almost. She knows she's very familiar with this. So we mix it right away, just so you know we could avoid any clumps. Okay, and so the next step, the next step is to add um, to add some um, wood ash. 
I think this is juniper ash right here. And the reason why we add the ash, because the ash is what helps break down the pericarb and it brings out the nutrients in the corn and it helps break down the husk. Um, when we do pozole, we nixtamalize the corn. We do a kind of a different process. In Mexico, we use calcium hydroxide, also known as cal. And so what the cal does, uh, we soak the actual corn, uh, the kernels um, for about, we boil it for about an hour. And then when we when you boil it, you turn it off, you cover it, you leave it overnight, and the next day you rinse it. And so all the little, the pericarp, all the little film around the kernel comes off. And then also, and that's what happens, the, the science behind it, right? It, it, it like brings out all the nutrients. And so I know that there's different kinds of wood ashes that people use that bring out different types of uh, nutrients in the corn. But this is very, this is a very important process to add the ash or um, or when you when you do it. Um, the, the original way of before we started doing this way um, was through the, the nixamalized corn kernels like Kalime Pozole. And so the way that happens once you once you cover your corn, you boil it and you rinse it, they would um, grind, the, make a masa with it and then they would add water and then they use that liquid masa uh, uh, water to make that tole. That was the original way. And then now people make this because it's a little bit easier because um, not everybody has like the time or sometimes not everybody, you know, it's, it's a kind of a big process to nixtamalize your corn. But if you do, like, it's really fun. It's a way, it's a good way to, to connect with your corn. And so today we're going to add just a little bit of, um, So I added about um, about a like half a tablespoon of ash into this water here, and I mixed it. And then what I'm going to do, I'm going to strain it so it doesn't get any like chunks in there. And so I'm going to go ahead and do that part. And so you see here, it like you'll see like some of the residue that it leaves behind. So we take that out, and then we get to the fun part. <laughs> and this is the part um, where it's super, super important. And you want to make sure that it's not too high. It's kind of at a medium heat um, to stay with your atole. Like, it's so easy to burn it. It's so easy. If you step away, like, a lot of things can happen. So I think this is a really uh, beautiful part is that you get for myself. I get to connect with the corn. I get to sing songs to set intentions and prayers um, to the people that are gonna be receiving this, this corn drink. And in, in Mexico, um, you know, this is, this is the, the a drink that you give to postpartum, uh, you know, families, you know? Um, and not only that, but during the winter, if someone's feeling not feeling good, like, oh, nanatole, you know? And so I grew up with both of my grandmas, one of them's from Michoacan and the one's from Sonora. So from North Mexico and South Mexico, and they make it a little bit different. You know, my grandma from my Nana in Mexico, Northern Mexico uses mesquite uh, flour in her atole and it's a little bit more bitter. Um, and my grandma in from South Mexico would make it with corn and with, with oats. Um, and uh, so I got real, I got, I grew up with, with atole. So it's such a, it's such a like beautiful and 
heartwarming drink. And to me, like what it represents, it's like that embrace of a grandma and abuelita. Like it's so warm, you drink it. And it's like, mm, so good. It's, it's sweet. And then the cinnamon. Um, and so when I'm here with my, with my atole, cause it usually takes about 20 to 25 minutes. So it's like allowing me to be present, allowing me to connect with my corn, to set intentions and yeah, and it's like a really, it's it's a really, it's a really good time to just kind of, you know, like I don't know, it's like a meditation. Does anybody have questions <laughs> or anything, Brooke? Or anybody have familiar with this drink at all? Anybody that's on on the call? I am not, but I'm dying to try it. And if it's okay, I will share the. Um, recipe that you developed again for the class so they could see? Mm -hmm. Okay, just a second. I'm really curious about the ash because the ash seems like it must give it such a wonderful and unique flavor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. It does. It's, 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 you know, you, you have to believe once you kind of get used to that taste, um, it does add a different element to it. Some people can't Find, like they won't taste it they won't acknowledge like hey is there something ash in here but I could taste it you know it's just a little yeah a little woody I guess you could say and you're using amaranth flower Where yeah you... for this for the recipe that's on here this is a uh it's I'm not using that recipe so if you don't have amaranth flower just it's the same recipe without the amaranth you know, and so if the if the if the atole is too uh, thick, you could just add more liquid. So you can make it to your liking, however you prefer. Some people like it a little bit more mushy, and I know that when people make blue corn mush, it's maybe a little similar. Um, I didn't grow up with blue corn mush. It's just something that um, that was shared with me with some of my relatives. But um, we prepared. This is how we prepare the atole, and sometimes it'll when you leave it out for a long time, it'll, it'll, it'll turn into mush. And it's cool because I, what I do is I put it in my fridge and it gets a little bit more like coagulated, I guess. And then I add berries and I eat it for breakfast. But, you know, if you want it, you, you want it to be drinkable, drinkable, um, you just add more liquid. You just add water or, or milk and, and stir it again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does this have any benefits to it beyond being a comfort food, like maybe calming your stomach or lowering blood pressure? Um, I don't know if it's lowering blood pressure, but it is like this. I mean, all the all the nutrients and like the benefits from cinnamon, all the warming stuff. Like, so during the postpartum, we want to make sure that that the birthing parent has warming foods. For us, we it's a, we have a forty day postpartum period, which we call the cuarentena. And during that time, we avoid anything, any cold foods. And so um, we all, anything with cinnamon, cardamom, um, like warming teas. And the, the corn has, you know, it's, it has its, like, you know, its nutrients. But I think the most, the, the benefit from it is like also for me, one of the most important parts, which I'll, I'll go more into detail is like the, the spiritual aspect of it, because corn is the, is, is the foundation of our people and it's the foundation it's like who we are where we come from and uh how it you know it defines a lot of like our our, our like our cosmology and also like the, our way of life and how we are how we are in 
synchronicity with nature. And so those are the stories that were told to us. So for me, when I'm sharing this cornmeal, it's like, yes, it's warming, delicious and nutritional, but it there's, it's also, it's like more, it's deeper, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like helping us remember who we are and where we come from. And it's an, always an opportunity to, to share with these parents, you know, these stories, because some people don't have access, you know, some people are, there's that disconnect. So when I share these stories and this cup of atole with a, a parent, a, a mom, you know, um, it, it allows like for them to like, oh, I remember this, or maybe they didn't know. And then they, they go search or they ask their moms or their grandmas. And so it's an opportunity for them to, to, to reconnect and like establish those, those relationships again to these traditional foods. Mm -hmm. We have a comment from Malia who says, for us as Hawaiians, taro is the same for us. It is our elder brother. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've been to the, uh, the islands before and I remember some of my uh, my good sisters out there sharing the, about the stories about the call. I'm actually wearing this. I don't know. That's an Ulu baby. Yeah, it's an Ulu baby. This is their creation story. Um, so awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it brings really good memories. Um, we share a lot of a lot of really similar uh, ways of life and um, with our, our relatives out there in the islands in Hawaii. So we're going to go ahead and, um, you know, I'm going to give this to my partner so he could finish. Um, but this is going to take about 20 minutes or so at this point. And so what we're just waiting for, it's just getting thicker. So right now it's still a little bit, it's not quite cooked. Um, and it's going to get nice and thick. And if it gets a little too thick, and we, I just always add a little bit more water. So every, I always encourage people to experiment. I know I didn't learn from like, measuring anything so it took me a while to get all the measurements um my grandma and my mom they they're all amazing cooks and the way that they taught me was like my intuition you know like oh you, we have this saying in spanish you know and so it's like measuring with your hand you'll know you'll know like so they encourage us to to trust you know our intuition and and to also like you know you're gonna maybe add too much or too little and then you that's how you build those relationships with those herbs or those spices and and you get to become more like um, connected to the food that you're making okay so, so how, how do you relate making this dish to nourishing the native community through keeping traditional foodways alive Okay, okay, one more time. Uh, how do you relate this to um, nourishing the community through keeping traditional foodways alive? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's like the biggest, that's really what it's all about for me, you know, because um, I think I shared a little bit of, 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 of that with what I just shared about the atole and my clients. Like that's, to me, that's really like my activism is really like sharing a food. Cause I just, I don't just prepare atole, I prepare other foods and, and each food has its story and it comes from a certain region. And, you know, like I said earlier, not everybody has like, not everybody, um, you know, has the, those connections, right? Not everybody is, 
you know, some people are, are been here in the States and they're like third generation, at least here in like in, in this region where there's a lot of people who identify as Chicanos and like, oh, it's it's kind of gotten lost. So what we're doing, me and my sis here, we're, we're using food, traditional food ways to, you know, have people reconnect and, and build those relationships to land, to respect and honor the land. Um, and it's been really cool because we get to see it happen. We get to see people who, um, you know, bring their kids and then their kids have questions and they want to know about how we farm and grow our corn and then we share our corn stories. And, and I think that's really like an important piece, you know, to get um, planting those like those seeds within people to get have that pride, you know, of like, wow, like we're so rich in culture and and it's not just like the culture, it's like there's so much significance too. There's a lot of cosmology and how it all connects us. Cause I know a lot of people right now we're trying to, they're trying to find something to connect with, to, to identify like identity, you know? And so I think it's all in our, in our seeds, in our food, you know, sometimes we don't have, a lot of us don't have our language anymore. And so I, I think really the point for me, um, it's like really all in the, in the seeds here. And the seeds, like, you know, they, it, it does something when we eat it. it, like, it helps us remember, you know, I was sharing something about like that activating our, our blood memory, helping us remember, even if it's just one dish at a time, you know. Thank you for that. I actually have a question too, and it's more pertaining to the recipe, um, but you mentioned that your family kind of adjusted, like based off of their own preferences. So I'm like wondering, like maybe how often do you change up your um, recipe for the atole or I mean, do you have any like special extra ingredients that you like to throw in there? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, I actually change it up all the time. My atole comes out different every time. And that's something that I didn't share is that my grandma would tell me, make sure that when you're stirring your atole, like you have good thoughts like don't do it mad and it's happened to me before that where I'm just like oh and there's something or I'm processing or I'm not feeling good and I burn it <laughs> and it's real I used to just think my grandma's just saying this um but you know I I do I make it every time I I if I have like extra bananas or if I have cacao or I have a uh, pineapple guava whatever's in season I try to use seasonal foods and whatever is growing I have a a, a fellow midwife who has a guava tree and so all this winter she gave me, her and her husband gave me a ton of guavas. And so what I do is I extract the pulp or the juice of any of the fruits that I'm using. I have a Vitamix and then I strain it to if there's, if there's sometimes there's seeds or stuff. Um, and then I use that pulp or the juice and I add it into the atole. And so that adds like the fruit or the tartness. There's people that make it with tamarind. I actually, um, I made some with taro um, before I'm so I, I was uh, sharing this recipe with my friends uh, in Maui and I was like hey you can make a tole and add you know you know all your you know traditional foods and just like mix it you know but but yeah I, I mix it up and sometimes I don't have honey and I'll use you know the piloncillo or I'll use maple syrup and yeah I'm very I, I my style is very like intuitive style cooking or whatever is around you know and it always works out Mm -hmm. no that's great yeah and I want to I want to give my friend um Ariana my sis here an opportunity to share uh her experience with this with this drink as a as a 
you know, as a postpartum and uh, mom and also like her experience and, and having it around during birth or prenatal, like, and what it meant for her, um, because we all, a lot of our community here, like, it's like such a big thing, like we all um, like to share corn and it's like a really beautiful way of sharing, sharing our love and, and, and our affectionate, our affection towards, towards each other. So yeah, you want to share, Ariana? She just, (laughs) (laughs) it's okay. Hi. Um, So let me see, I've been, so as I was making this atole, I've just been thinking of um, my pregnancy. This is Atanesi. She's, she just turned about four months. Um, So I'm four months postpartum now, Uh, but I was thinking of all the amazing atole I got to have and the different variations during my pregnancy as she was a January baby. So I would say that um, traditionally atole kind of drink it more in the cold season in the winter time. And, and, um, and, and let me, let me backtrack a little bit before I going into, to the postpartum, um, I know she introduced my, uh, me, Ariana, and I just wanted um, to mention where my, my family's from as well. Um, on my paternal side, um, my family's Cochimí from Baja California that we're very close to here in Southern California. And um, from my, and the Michoacán también, um, I have family on, on my paternal side. And then my maternal side, uh, son Mayo Yoreme de Sinaloa. And um, I was thinking right now that we're here in, in Southern California and Kumiai territory of just to want to share a little bit of um, their, their stories of, of corn since they're not very told very often. And there's only about 20 uh, native speakers of Kumiai language left. And a lot of their elders are are passing away. So I just want to honor um, Kumiai in that way of, of sharing um, what some elder Kumiai elders have shared with me on, on how, um, you know, here where we are in San Diego uh, by the coast, um, I was told that we, they would trade with the desert Kumiai uh, their corn for um, things they would get from the coast like abalone, and shells, seashells for making tools and um, fish, you know, and and all the coastal stuff um, they would trade for, I guess the the corn grew better um, with the desert kumiai and um, honoring those trade routes, you know, um, Mm -hmm. thinking of how important those trade routes are for uh, getting this medicinal food to different tribal communities and to revitalize those trade routes. And um, just the way I feel that Sewa does in honoring by getting her blue corn um, from uh, the, what, where, where are you getting your blue corn from? Colorado. Colorado. Mm-hmm. And, um, and having that relationship with them. And um, yeah, so if, if you can't grow your own corn for whatever reason, or you don't have access to, um, non-GMO organic corn in your area to um, think of of the trade routes that you can revitalize and 
um, how important that is for our communities. And, and um, yeah, also thinking of, of um, how important it is to, to grow your own corn and, and thinking of my family in Ensenada right now that, um, that are probably planting a lot of corn in, in this season. And um, yeah, to, that's a good way to, to establish that relationship um, with, with corn and the different things it can teach you um, in, in following the lunar cycles and following um, and listening to the seasons and all the different uh, things that go into that cycle of corn and growing it um, with, with nature, you know, and, and kind of sinking your body to that cycle as well. And um, yeah, so with my pregnancy, because she's a winter baby, um, I got to drink a lot of atole uh, during, during that pregnancy um, as, as it got colder and not just that, but also have a lot of corn in my diet with the tamales that came during that time. <laughs> and pozoles. The pozoles and the tortillas, you know, que no faltan. Um, so a lot of corn uh, during my pregnancy. And, and, you know, even if I wasn't pregnant, I'd be eating all that. But atole has something very special about it of, that it feels um, like medicine to me. And it's, it's almost, it's just a very pure form of consuming uh, that traditional meal. And, um, and I was sharing with Sewa, it was my first meal after having her, um, you know, literally hours after she was born and I was resting um, I got to, I was blessed enough to have a healthy, uh, safe pregnancy home birth with her and um, got to be at home. And so I was resting and, and that was the first meal made for me by a dear friend of ours, um, Dema, who, um, and it was your, your blue corn mm -hmm. that uh, she had brought. And um, also, um, so what, can I see this really mm -hmm. quick? So uh, I was also gifted um, a, a blue corn by Sewa and an obsidian knife. And we, we cut her umbilical cord uh, on this um, blue corn. And um, so the, the umbilical cord, just to get you a visual really quick, um, gets placed on top of the corn. Like they say, this is the umbilical cord. And then we cut the umbilical cord with obsidian. And the reason we use obsidian is because it's a heating element. We don't use anything cold. cold. Mm -hmm. So the metals that they use in hospitals are cold metals. And so that um, that allows cold to go into the mom or the baby. And that's, you know, so we try to stay away from that. So we use obsidian for the heating and the corn is like a grounding element. And so in a ways it's also like, you know, when we cut it and it's, it's, it's really, it's although the DNA stays within our, within ourselves. And yeah, and, um, and speaking of DNA, which was what I was going to go into, with, um, consuming atole during my pregnancy and postpartum, uh, for me, you know, I felt um, that corn and, and how, how much medicine it car carried in it just because I knew it was planted in a good way. It was processed in a good way. Um, I felt like it was awakening that ancestral DNA in myself so that I could pass down to my daughter. 
And then postpartum, you know, she can continue to receive that through breast milk. And, um, but I feel like that's what corn does. It, it, it wakes up the, those memories of, um, from our ancestors and all our grandparents and great grandparents uh, that carried that knowledge of what an important crop it was for the survival of our people. And um, I feel like she gets all that passed down, you know, when, when we're consuming as, as mothers, as parents, um, and, and then throughout the rest of their lives. And yeah, mm -hmm. I think, um, I don't know if you wanted to go into the zine. This is her book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, so me and Ariana, uh, unless there's any questions before we go into this sharing of what we created. Okay, so we uh, created this really beautiful zine. It's called Teozintli. And Teozintli is the original corn uh, or grain before um, our ancestors uh, engineered it to become corn. Um, and so we kind of just- It's where corn came from when it was a wild crop. Mm -hmm. It wasn't- domesticated yet by humans yeah so that's how my engineer it is for lack of better terms um so in 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 the we'll kind of go over it a little bit but in the zine we we named some of our uh, original foods here um in Nahuatl so some of the foods that come from Mexico that are like a staple to our um um just our traditional foods it's like this is like maybe some of you might it just be it's a part of your culture as well. Like besides, I know the corn is a big one. Um, amaranth, um, squash, uh, beans, nopales, chile, and what else? And chia. So we have a couple of recipes in here. And then Ariana is an amazing artist. And then she made this beautiful centerpiece here. And, and this is a really good segue for me to go into this, this story that um that kind of um where it all started for me um there's a professor in uh i was living in tucson arizona his um dr Sintley, and he has a really awesome book called um corn is our mother uh, and um he tells a story that he got from some elders um in mexico so he he did he went to mexico and studied with a lot of different elders and learning about our corn and those trade routes and different stories so there's a lot of different creation stories um some are just told a little bit slightly different i'm just going to give a like a kind of a short version of it so and forgive me in advance if, if something is, is told wrong or i'm just kind of going the way that you know i was told by dr simply and so there was a time, this is, you know, we're going back in time um, in the coming of the fifth sun and Quetzalcoatl was, um, was creating humans. Um, so he created, he created humans and the humans, um, he noticed that the humans were weak, that they were dying and um, something, something was missing. And so Quetzalcoatl goes in search for, for what was missing and, and it was sustenance, they needed food. So he goes into these sacred mountains and when he, he goes into these sacred mountains and finds these little ants and he sees all this little trail of ants and they're carrying seeds. So he turns himself into a red ant and 
he goes to the ants and asks them like he greets them and and asks for for some of those seeds can i please have some of those seeds to take to these humans they need nourishment and the ants were very resistant they're like no no we these are this is these are very sacred and and quetzalcoatl is like yeah but these humans are they're they're good people they're going to take care of them and and the ants were you know they weren't budging they're like no like we're not going to give you these seeds um these seeds you know we give them to them we know what's going to happen to these seeds um and somehow some way quetzalcoatl you know got it got you know um got his way to get some of these seeds and one of the ants was like okay we're going to give you these seeds but when you give you these seeds you have to make sure that these humans make these sacred packs with these seeds and when they when these these humans receive these seeds they're um it's like a sacred marriage you know and their dna gets embedded into these seeds and quetzalcoatl goes back and gives the people the seeds and soon enough, they start growing, growing the corn, growing the squash, because they give them different types of seeds and they start growing all these crops. And so what happened was that the seed taught the humans how to connect with, you know, with nature, how to work with the seasons, how to, how, how to be humble human beings and connect with the waters and, and the importance of the waters and the land and and the moon and the cycles and how to be in in synchronicity with or in symbiosis with nature and so you know i love this story because you know this story you know we all get to kind of interpret it in whatever ways that we want and for me i got to see it like wow like when when it really like i i soaked it in and was thinking about this story and these ants and and i was like geeking out because at the same time when i was like learning about like mycelium network i was learning about mushrooms and and how that works um i had just learned about these ants that ants when you see them carrying like little food they they're going in their tunnel and they're feeding a fungi they're feeding a mushroom and i was like super mind blown by that and I was like wow and so me in my mind you know I'm going so many different places and I have this I'm sitting with this story you know um of 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 these ants and Quetzalcoatl and how we you know how we be made those sacred packs with nature and how they they didn't want to give it to us you know they're like we know what's gonna happen and and so then I started thinking you know like Fast forward, right? Like now, like we have GMO corn and GMO corn is in everything. It's in everything. It's like almost inevitable. You know, sometimes if, if some people have, you know, that privilege, you know, I want to call it privilege to avoid it and to buy all this stuff and not have it. But for most people, especially in indigenous, you know, BIPOC communities, like, you know, it's hard. Like I'm probably sure that I could find something that has, you know, uh, corn syrup you know, in my fridge. And um, so I was thinking like, if corn is supposed to be something that helps us remember who we are, helps and that sacred, you know, I'm thinking of that sacred marriage that and those packs that we made with it is to help us remember who we are, where we come from and how to be in and have this symbiotic relationship with nature. Then this corn, this, this like suicide corn, right? That's what I call it, um, this GMO corn is like, does the opposite. It's like genetically modifying us, genetically modifying us 
and changing our DNA and eradicating like those, those memories, like disconnecting us from that. And I'm like, fuck, like, you know, it like really sunk in. I have already known that GMO was bad, but the way that like I got to interpret it was like, wow, like this is the eradication of all our ancestral knowledge and our ancestral knowledge is what connects us to nature, what connects us to, to all these, you know, all these beautiful ways of life of being and existing in balance with nature. And, you know, so for me, when I, when I make my atole, when I make the pozole when, or, or tamales, you know, it is important to, to put those intentions because I pray with my food and I talk to it that they receive that when that mom or that baby that they receive that that they activates their cellular memory that helps them or even if it's that one even if they're going to get atole just one time that they're gonna that they're gonna it's gonna help them they're gonna take that for the rest of the, their lives you know and you know i know that you know i can't speak for all people for myself and my i'm very you know in my spirituality like i really believe that i believe that we have the power to change um, something with our thoughts, with our prayer and our intentions. And so for me, that's why it's, it's so important, even if it's just, you know, one time giving them atole. That's, that's my way of, of, of helping this earth. Because if we are helping people remember and, and who we are as land-based people is like, is how we are, how we treat our earth, how we treat our water, you know? And um, yeah, I wanted to just, you know, just share that. And this is a beautiful, when I shared that story, Ariana put it all illustrated, like so beautiful. She's gonna be making this into a mural one day. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd love to, uh, if anything came up for her, if there's any questions on that story, um, I'd love to, you know, hear and interact with some of you and not just me be talking, you know, I'd love to interact with some of you. Atol is done? Okay, thank you. Atol is done. I wish I could give you guys all a cup. <laughs> I say, well, so we actually have um, some questions from the group from Malia um, about first acknowledging how beautiful the artwork is, but also is design available online? So where can actually people uh, purchase it or make Yes. It? Okay, so in the um, chat, I will be putting the website up. Um, you can find it um, We in uh, Ariana's uh, website. Ariana, okay, I'll write it in the chat right now. And you can find it in the in the website there. Ariana. Uh. I just wanted to say um, thank you for sharing your stories and um, I loved having the mom and the baby here as well to share stories. Um, it was actually bringing me to tears. <laughs> and um, it actually re reminded me of, I think I actually went to go follow you um, on, on Facebook and friend you. Um, and I see you're friends with a lot of my friends here in Hawaii that are also midwives. And so, so many stories that I see very similar, you know, um, and I, I was a part of the um, some of their classes and as they're working with young moms and dads and training them um, with 
uh, and re reviving a lot of these Hawaiian ways. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, especially during the birthing process. And it was really new for us to learn some of the, the traditional uh, jokes that were also prepared um, because that was something that was lost for us as, as Native Hawaiians. And it was because of a conversation with some elders um, from from uh, the island of Ni'ihau, where many of our native speakers still live, that this tradition was now shared and revived with um, a larger community. And so I just, I was being reminded of a lot of that. I loved... Um, Yeah, I love learning a little bit more about the, that similarity um, that you guys also have and just wanted to share my gratitude and say thank you um, for myself. I'm, uh, I've been on a um, health journey and trying to prepare my own, um, what I call the my internal honua or my womb as well as my external honua and the external environment um and if if i'm blessed with a baby because i i'm turning 50 this year um i'm preparing that and um and praying for that and trying to manifest that in every way but so i don't know for some reason it was meant for me to be here and to hear your stories and to be inspired once again so i just wanted to say thank you uh, mahalo <laughs> thank you that's beautiful thank you for sharing and i'm so happy that i was wearing i got to wear i'm wearing my 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 uh ulu baby <laughs> i see it beautiful yeah 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 my sister kii and um you know leilani they're they're good people out there doing really good work i got to uh spend some time uh, uh two years ago for the indigenous birth keepers gathering so it was really good to share stories and go to the birthing stones in in oahu that was really beautiful thank you for bringing back those those good feelings from that that place very magical Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I want to, I know I'm going to put my, I'm going to put my, uh, my boo on the spot right here <laughs> because I want to segue into something else. And how are we on time? Just time check really quick. Uh, we have um, about 30 minutes, like more like 35 minutes, but I'm going to bring up Britt Reed because I believe they wanted to speak as well. So Britt, you have the floor. Oh, that's yes. okay. <laughs> oh, no, yes. Say Go ahead, Britt. Oh, okay. I'll make it quick. <laughs> One, I miss you a lot. Um, and two, um, I really loved hearing that story as well. Cause you know how we've talked before about like how like Chakas and um and your culture have like a lot of similarities when we're mm -hmm. geeking out about <laughs> mm -hmm. stuff. Um pretty recently I heard a story also that involved like ants with us and corn. And so I just thought it was really beautiful that y'all had a story like that as well. Um I'll start my video. Um, oh, there but, you are. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so used to like not having it on. Um, but yeah, essentially it was it was one of our creation stories where we were um, coming into a new area and we were coming, we come from the mounds for people that don't know. Um, and we were shown like a way to come out of it essentially. And, you know, like the first people came out of the mound and saw like how beautiful the world was. Mm -hmm and kind of like pass the the news along to everybody else down the line and then people got really excited and started rushing it 
and the ants were kind of like what are y'all doing you forgot your corn and so they started like carrying the corn so like they could bring into the world with us and then unfortunately people got too excited and then they started like stomping on like the elders and the babies and the ants and so eventually what had happened was that like um you know like the ants that came out of the hole came out of the hole and the people but creator was just like we're shutting this down <laughs> y'all are wild and out um and basically everybody turned um everybody else that was rushing out turned into ants and so in that way like the ants are also our relatives and also made sure that we have the corn to come into the new world and to like continue that relationship so I always love, always love corn stories and really appreciate stories about ants. So that's my quick millennial version of that story. <laughs> I love it. Oh, we're, I, we're relatives, you know, there's no doubt about it that, you know, these, that's why these, I, I love that Ariana shared uh, the importance of these, the, the trade routes and, and how these stories traveled and how we traveled, how we migrate our, you know, our, our migration stories and and all the similarities that we have. And we're like, oh, when we say we're relatives, we really are, you know, and it's like, and there's people, there's the language, that, um, like even from Michoacan, my people in Purepecha, they're, they could communicate with people in Michigan with some of the tribes out there. And it's really, I'm like, wow, like, and a lot of the stories, right? So I, I love connecting, yeah. that makes me feel more closer to all like our Northern relatives. Thank you. Yeah. And I hope, Sue, that uh, next time that I see you, you could get some of that this time. Oh, yeah, I'm <laughs> bringing it outside by myself. Yeah, I'm bringing it with me. And Ariana's coming with me. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to bring you some seeds, too. I got gifted some from Mexico, which, like, they don't grow good in the Northwest. So maybe I'll have more, <laughs> more luck with them. Yeah, wonderful. Awesome. Yay. Um, yeah, you know, I wanted to share, too, like, a, um, just you know about I have a couple of I put my pet metate here where's the other part to the metate the grinding stone is it there? this is our, our metate this is our traditional way of grinding our corn this is early a mini mini version one a small one it's kind of small this is some of the corn that I grew last year and um I don't know where this grinding stone is but so maybe some of y'all have seen it before the this here and so we grind it down um usually uh it was on there it's okay um i just wanted to display kind of show it and then also show the different uh ways of that we grind our corn too is this is the the hand mill here and then this is some of the corn maybe you can see it like that i got to grow last year this is what i have left and so this is my corn that i get to use like for um you know, for my clients, for like special occasions, uh, I put some prayer, special prayers down uh, when I grew this corn um, with intentions of, you know, of activating that in people and all the relatives, all the babies, all the mamas, the birthing people, um, just a little bit of, you know, those, those thoughts and, and ways to reconnect them, you know, with the ways of our ancestors. And so, um, but I also have a, a relative, um, and uh, my, my bro, Carlos Baca, up in Colorado, and he shared some seeds, and then I started growing it. And I just, I just made relations with this corn, but the interesting part was, you know, that I, that, that I, these, the ways that these, these blue corn migrated, because a lot of, you know, the corn came from Mexico, and it made its way up north. And so I heard that the Southern Ute people, there's, there's, you know, I heard a story that this, the blue corn that they, re they received it from the Hopi tribes. 
And then the Hopi, there's a story that they received the blue corn from the southern tribes of our my people, Yoeme, Yaki people. And we have a Yoeme blue corn. So I was like, wait a minute, this might just be the same corn from my people. It just, you know, it traveled and made its way, you know, up north to Colorado because I have a, I just feel really like a very, I don't know, I feel very close to this corn and I've been growing it because some people ask me, why are you growing that southern ute corn? I was like, I got it. It felt good and it grows and it grows so beautiful. I had even my first try with it and I connected with it. So I just wanted to share that. And, um, and I also wanted to, um, you know, open it up the space for my partner to talk a little bit, um, a bit of what he knows, because a lot of us, I know there's different ceremonies and I want to share a little bit our ceremonies that we have, because most of our ceremonies, we corn is such a big part of our ceremony and how we use it and a lot of our and a lot of our ceremonies are kind of in a reenactment of birth you know we talk about our sweat lodge sundance uh teepee ways and there's all kinds of different ways you know i i'll speak on on behalf of the traditions that that we use here and so i wanted to um I open it up and have him share a little bit about, you know, the morning times when we share those, that meal and what it means um, as, you know, as a, as a spiritual leader, you know, and, and what he knows and what he's, what has been shared with him from different elders, you know, and us coming from, you know, as my, my counterpart that we share these ways and they kind of, they, they, they go together. We're like learning um, and interweaving a lot of this this knowledge and it's all kind of it's all relevant it's like really we come back and it's like oh it's the same thing we're like really reenacting like it's a reenactment of of creation you know or we people call it sex or you know reenactment of of, of birth so this is my partner Andrew you know, okay get close over here <laughs> I know he told me not to put him on the spot but like I had to. So if you want to um, share with them a little bit of, you know, sign them about if you heard me right now about like, you know, the ways that we use that corn in the morning time and, you know, we use it, you know, the ways that we do. And, and um, yeah, I'll let you I'll let you share about mm -hmm. that. Uh, good evening or yeah, good evening, uh, everybody. My name is Andrew. Um, um, and then uh, you tell me a little bit about yourself. <laughs> sure. um, and um, my people come from Mexico. Uh, my, you know, grandfather's family comes from Mechuicán. And then my grandma's family comes from Zacatecas, Mexico. Uh, I was born here in California. Um, <clears throat> uh, my father, he brought me up into um, a lot of different ways, you know, starting with the sweat lodge ceremony. And then, and then, uh, and then later the Native American church ceremony. Um, so I've been kind of attending Native American church since I was about 10 years old. And then that's kind of somehow that really, um, that ceremony, you know, I gravitated to that ceremony at a really young age, you know, kind of traveled a lot of different um, reservations and a lot of different, you know, to different tribes and uh, how they run ceremony. Uh, <clears throat> and then so, Really beautiful ceremony, you know. So some people call it a healing ceremony, uh, and uh, it kind of represents, you know, the teepee. It's a teepee ceremony, you know, called half moon ceremony. You know, it kind of represents, you know, uh, kind of like a womb. Someone's going back into getting. Uh, uh, well, we're looking for healing, you know, and our and, and a lot of times, uh, a lot of people were sick in the old days, 
you know, and a lot of people were being uh, forced on reservations and then uh, struggling with alcoholism and a lot of different other things back back in the early 1900s, you know, and then so uh, this use of peyote came about and then we started utilizing that to kind of uh, help the people, you know, uh, heal, you know, and then kind of, <clears throat> uh, it's kind of been a really fast growing ceremony amongst different tribes, you know, it's a really intertribal, you know, uh, ceremony today in, in today's times, you know. Um, so we utilize that ceremony, you know, uh, sometimes, uh, uh, for, for healing and a lot of different um, purposes, you know, it's kind of a way of life, you know, how, how we, uh, how we congregate in that ceremony, but there are elements in the ceremony, you know, that we use, and then in, at a certain time in the morning time, you know, it's all night ceremony, you know, there's kind of, uh, I think the way I see it, the way I understand it is kind of, you know, sometimes we have to go back and remember, you know, um, the kind of emotional connections that we receive when we're in the womb, uh, you know, and then uh, one of those things is, you know, that we have certain emotions that we that we have, you know, and we can tap into them, you know, especially with like the love that we receive when we're in the womb, you know, and it kind of, and it helps us kind of heal some things, experiences and traumas that we had from when we're, from when we're adults or when we're children, you know, and so, uh, you know, and then, and then, and then we can move forward, you know, in our life, you know, and so that whole ceremony is almost like a rebirthing ceremony for us. And then in the morning time, uh, there's a time frame where we, uh, we bring in four, uh, the forsaken foods, you know, uh, one of those being water, you know, and the water is, um, represents life, you know, and it also represents, you know, um, uh, um, uh the the four seasons you know the the each element uh, each food represents a season you know and that and that that water usually represents the womb you know kind of you know and nourishes us represents life and then we use corn you know and then kind of like the kind of like the corn that said what was you know talking about you know that 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 blue corn we use that blue corn in there too and then it kind of represents um you know <laughs> the fall time, you know, and our, our the summertime, you know, and then that also represents our, our another stage of life, you know, the, it's, there's four stages of life, you know, we have the, we have, uh, you know, our, our ch uh, early childhood, then we have adolescence, you know, and then, and then we have, uh, we, we have the sacred meat that we use, usually deer meat, you know, and then that kind of represents our adulthood and also represents the fall time. And then um, lastly, we have the berries, which represent our elderly age, and then it represents uh, the winter time. And so those are all sacred foods, you know, they're kind of just to kind of help nourish our spirit again before we come out of that sacred ceremony time. You know, they're not really to kind of uh, 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 fulfill our appetite or hunger, they're there to nourish our spirit, you know, and with all those collectively, they all work together, you know, to kind of close that ceremony. And so um, that's just uh, one kind of version of explanation of those sacred foods. You know, many different tribes have maybe a similar story to that, you know, with kind of maybe different teachings, you know. So that's just kind of one brief uh, 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 scenario or, or one brief explanation of how we use the sacred, you know, those sacred foods, especially the corn, you know.
Um, so um, share a little thank bit you. about that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, thank you so much. I just um, thought it was uh, really sweet for him to to join me into sharing his, you know, um, his teachings and, you know, that really, you know, I feel like a lot of us have very similar, the similar, similar intentions or similar teachings and, and what these foods represent, you know, I just wanted to share a little bit about, you know, our family here and how we take care of it and what those, those, those foods mean to us, you know, and I, I also like to connect with other people and learn about their stories because, uh, eventually I want to write a book and um, you know and I love to meet people and connect with more stories or connect me with elders I want to write a book about our migration stories and that how they connect our, our, our corn migration stories and how they connect also with our birth stories and the way that we birth and how we connect with that corn so yeah I just wanted to share that this is the first time I actually say it so publicly in my my prayer my vision so it feels good to share it in this space thank you well as soon as you have that up we will definitely be promoting you and you know bigging you up and making sure that your uh book is successful and who knows maybe we'll give them out as giveaways but i want to introduce uh, sagi who is um interested i think they're from your hometown possibly <laughs> Yes. Hi, Siwa. Thank you so much for your presentation. I'm Sahi. I live in Salinas. So I noticed that you're from Salinas. I'm from Salinas. <laughs> I was born in Salinas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was born in Mexico, but I immigrated here. I was uh, three, three years old when I came here. So this is my hometown. And I went off to Santa Barbara for college and just recently moved back um, and then, you know, my, my family comes from Jalisco and from Michoacan as well. So, you know, Purepecha, Huichol, Lance. Hey, awesome. Yeah. Um, but I first, you know, just thank you for spreading this knowledge about our culture. Like it makes me tear up just to, just to hear it all and, and have it be shared. It's so important. Um, but I, I love what you were saying about the corn, and I think it's really important um, specifically for our culture to share this kind of knowledge because um, I think that, you know, be, when you say Mexican, you know, being Mexican gets sort of lost, uh, mm -hmm. our indigeneity gets lost, and people lose um, the knowledge of how our food is actually very indigenous, like Mexican food has a lot of indigenous roots and people don't understand that and something as important like the cycles of harvesting corn and, and people don't understand that that's the significance behind things like Dia de los Muertos and a lot of the different uh, traditional celebrations that we have are to do with harvesting corn and are to do with harvesting food. So I just wanted to really appreciate you and uh, show you lots of love from your hometown. Oh my God. Thank you. My mom's, my mom lives there um, half the year. She's there now. Um, I didn't get to share a lot about my background, but yeah, my parents migrated to Salinas um, from Mexico and met there. They work in the fields. Uh, my mom still works in the strawberry fields. She's still there yeah. in Salinas uh, picking strawberries. And um, my grandpa lives there. My grandpa, um, the, we all come from a, my background from both sides, farmers, you know, we're all farmers. My friend here, Ariana's a farmer, I'm a farmer. Yeah, it's like really like our roots and our foundation is like 
and our connection to the earth is like through like those connections through farming and and we've I think um we've evolved into a lot of the work that we do um and those connections through the farming and I know that maybe some of our parents and some of our ancestors you know that are still around um you know it's different now right like the the way like farming is now but that that's what we're really trying to do with these seeds right like when you plant a seed and you grow that corn and that corn starts to show you um I had a I had a like this like in ceremony I had this download um because I was praying about like about my path and I needed clarity I was like okay I want to do this but I don't want to go into this the institution it's gonna like you know I want I know like you know when you meet so many different birth workers and midwives you know like it's it's it, going through it is like it's it's rough you know it kind of strips away at you it chips away at you um you know and so um I was just trying to find a way like how am I going to do this you know how am I going to go through this I'm not an academic I have no academic background besides high school and um and so I prayed about it and 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 there in ceremony the fire showed me like you know like grow that corn grow that corn and the corn's going to show you that you're going to have your your answer you're going to have more clarity on your path and so I did I planted this corn that you see that basket that I shared you guys earlier um and Ariana was there to help me harvest um my partner was there when we put tobacco down to you know to ask you know for those prayers and um yeah, it came, it really uh, unveiled itself. And so the ways, you know, looking at the corn and seeing it and, and just like those, 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 the, the original instructions from those ants, right? Like how that, that it was going to help us, you know, how, um, build that, that, that symbiosis, right? With nature, like it helped me remember. I was like, yeah, that's right. And I got clarity and I was like, yeah, if I could, if I could be the midwife that, even if it's just to like, you know, it's not about like quantity, all these babies, right? I want to catch all these babies. No, it's even if it's about a birth and if I'm not there to catch a baby, I'm just there to give them, a, you know, a, you know, a mug of atole with those prayers, then I feel like that's my, my life purpose. And it revealed my purpose. And it's, it's a really, it might seem something very simple, but it's, it's really profound because it's being all these, the ways that the you know the the food um industry and all of this cap everything right it's like everything is there to distract us and help us forget who we are and so my journey my path was like okay it's clear it's like i'm there to 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 help you know help you know be that bridge and help us not forget you know yeah and what you said right now about you know being there to give that you know vaso de atole you know there's that saying that um, breastfeeding is a vehicle for ancestral wisdom and so to nourish you know a mother with corn knowing that full well that she will nourish that baby it is you know I think a very sacred role to be growing that corn that you know you know has had those intentions that has had the love behind it and and I feel like that little seed of our indigeneity keeps like popping up through us in each generation. And, 
you know, I grew up here in Salinas and we didn't have that kind of community growing up. So I, now I see it, you know, flourishing here and it makes me just like my heart burst to know that we're waking up and we're starting to go back. And, you know, my mom, like being an immigrant, it was never in her plan to go back to your roots, right? Like mm-hmm. they're trying to move away from that. So it, it is to, for you to get there, you know, knowing that you're parents immigrated here and my whatever you know I feel like to know that you're going back and that you're bringing back this route is powerful you know so thank you for your work thank you thank you for sharing Sagi thank you Sagi Uh, we'd like to uh, invite Lori to come up next Hi, thank you for your interesting share. Do you hear me? Yeah, okay. Thank you for your interesting share. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I love the connections that um, I hear from you. Uh, I'm Mohawk from uh, Ganesadake, Quebec. Um, and you were talking about the corn. I, I really connected with a lot of things that you were sharing, especially the ash that you added. Uh, we use our, our ashes, the, um, the hardwood ashes, and mm-hmm. that's what does exactly what you described, breaking down the, the coating on the corn and really opening it up to have those nutrients accessible to, to us. So I was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, I, I'm, really, I'm really enthusiastic about hearing about a lot of the different things that are, even though we're on different parts of, you know, Mother Earth, we're still doing very similar traditional cultural uh, traditions. And it's, it's, it's very heartwarming for me. I, I really appreciate you sharing all of that. And it made me think about the richness that we have, you know, the similarities that are so grounded in a lot of the traditions that we all carry. And mm-hmm. I think we're more similar than we are different. So mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. So thank you very much for that. Oh, there is just that one question about, um, I don't know how to say it, and I don't want to be rude, um, that dark, um, that Filon- chart. Yes. Filoncillo? What exactly is that? It's sugar. It's sugar. It's just the, the, the kind of the traditional way that in Mexico they process it. Okay. It's, it's like a brown sugar. Okay. Um, and it has like a, it's a little smoky, a little bit um different regions of mexico make it a little bit different my family where i come from in sonora um make it a certain way and they people call it they also call it panela in central america and south america panela pinoncillo there's different names but it's just it's it's basically a brown sugar but it's compacted so that's why it looks like that um i don't know too too much history on it but we it's very it's kind of what we use in our in our what we used to sweeten like our our drinks okay great you can find it you can find it at like most supermarkets if they have um i'm not sure in the east coast i know it's different to get out here you can go to like a a corner like liquor store and they they'll have like a section of like mexican stuff but um it might be a little harder out there but if there is a latin american food store they might you could probably find it oh great thank you Thank you. Thank you, Lori. And thank you everyone for the wonderful questions and comments during class today. 
Siwa, this was an amazing class. I was messaging Brooke in the background like, this class is awesome. So thank <laughs> you so much. And thank you to your family and community for just being so generous and sharing with us tonight. Mm -hmm. It's just very fulfilling. So we appreciate you. Um, if anyone uh, wants to reach out to you, how would they, how would they do that? Yeah, I put my Instagram handles on um, on the chat here, um, and also um, Ariana's. If you go, if you if you could, you could find Ariana on Instagram too. I um, I don't know. I'll put this here. This is our Instagram handles. You guys want to take a screenshot? Um, we, I'm not too active on Facebook, but I will. I will. I do go on, and I will accept the friend request. Um, but on our Instagram, you can find our links and you can find her website on her Instagram. Um, she's an amazing artist. She has all kinds of sorts of prints on her website. And then we will be sharing, we're sharing about our future projects together. Um, I share recipes also sometimes. If you go on my stories, I'm constantly sharing like recipes. Um, we're, we're gonna have another zine. So our intention is to have a zine each for each season and to have like, you know, cook, so have uh, encourage people to cook with the seasons, um, and have and also like have all amazing art artwork. So it has all the cool little visuals. Let me see this. She did another one that's really oh, that's only one that has like the grandma and stuff. But yeah, that's how you can find us. And yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you so much. It's been really beautiful to to share um, in this space with you all. Um, and again, um, thank you to Britt for connecting us. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that was really awesome. And, and talking to you earlier, Brooke, too. Please feel free. If there's any questions that you forgot something, reach out. I'll, I'll reply. OK, thank you. So I do have some housekeeping items that we need to just have with the group, which is at the end of each month, we have all of our instructors come back and we have a round table discussion. So if you have questions that come up that you're like, I really should have asked Siwa when I saw them on, you'll be able to ask Siwa at the end of the month. So there's that. Secondly, if you really like this programming, we are officially a 501c3. So if you would like to contribute to making first foods happen, we now can offer a, a tax deductible certificate so you can write it off on your taxes. That's really good. It also allows us to grow the program. So if you have ideas for teachers, if you have ideas for the program, uh, we are led by the folks who attend class in our community and we really try and be responsive around the things that we provide. So that said, usually on Mondays, there is a clubhouse talk if you're on clubhouse that is hosted by Brooke usually, but sometimes it's other community members. It's in a group, I'm sorry, a club called the Grinding Stone, which is all um, again, indigenous programming. The Grinding Stone Collective is part of um, the support to make first foods happen. So you'll see Mia sometimes on there. I'm sometimes on there. Brooke, the whole gang is over there. So 
yeah, please join us. It's fun. We've been doing a lot of stuff on motherhood and usually it's corollary programming, just a little bit more interactive. Maybe you want to meet the community members um, that are part of First Foods uh, a little more one-on-one. -on -one. It's a pretty amazing, uh, really dynamic community of super smart native people who like care about the future of our nations, right? So if that's you, please join us. It's very fun. Uh, otherwise, we hope you have a good week. We'll see you next week and we will continue on our motherhood month for first foods. Catch you on the next one. Bye everyone. Bye, Bye everybody. Take Bye. care. Aloha.